as the summer solstice approaches, crops have now been sown in farmlands all across North America, and urban gardeners have planted all kinds of gardens, even in my neighborhood. So it is a good time to hear stories and parables about seeds and about plants and growing things. But when we hear the two parables that Jesus tells in our gospel story today, we notice right away that he's describing something that goes against all conventional wisdom about both farming and gardening. In the first parable, Jesus says that the kingdom of God is like someone who scatters seed on the ground and then sleeps and rises every day without doing a single thing to take care of it. And yet, at harvest time, there is grain to reap because the earth and the elements automatically did what they do, all that was needed to make this happen. You and I know that that is not a good model for gardening or farming. When I first started gardening in the seventh grade, our science teacher taught us all the things we needed to do. In a fenced area of the school playground, we made perfectly straight rows for plants that could be watered carefully down the trenches on either side. We put our seeds at exactly the prescribed depth, and we went out every day to check for weeds and to take care of it. We made sure to give it a lot of extra water on especially hot days. And when birds showed up, we made sure that they were deterred, that they wouldn't come and destroy our garden. So what is Jesus trying to say when he compares the kingdom of God to a field that is able to grow and to flourish all on its own without any human help? In my way of hearing, he is saying that the coming of God's kingdom is like that, that it is inevitable that it will come, as Luther says, whether we ask for it or not, because it is not dependent, finally, on our ability to make that happen, to get everything right, to do the right things at all the right times. I like the words of a modern commentator who said, in this story of the kingdom, it is not our striving, our piety, our doctrinal purity or our impressive prayers that cause the garden to grow and to thrive. It is God's grace alone, she says. And then another seminary professor added, God's new order, this parable says, will take root and eventually come to fruition whether people desire it or not. I don't know about you, but I find that to be both very comforting and very challenging. When we as human beings and when we as the church seem to take two steps backward for every step forward that we make, it is comforting to hear that the kingdom of God will still come, that that is inevitable. But on the other hand, those same words are challenging because they undermine all of our false pretenses. And they, they shatter any illusions that we may have about our own indispensability in terms of what God does. They defy all of our efforts to control the way that God is going to be working in the world. And 
our desire to achieve the outcomes that we have set for ourselves or for even us as a church. You are not in control, the parable seems to say. So let God be God. But here's the deal. Letting God be God is risky. And I think Jesus makes that very clear in the second parable that he tells today. When he says that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, which when sown upon the ground is the smallest of all seeds on earth, yet when it grows up it becomes the greatest of all shrubs and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. On one hand, that can sound very reassuring. And maybe that's often how you have thought about this parable or heard it explained, that God can take something very small and make it grow into something big and wonderful. We may have heard, for example, the example of God can take a tiny grain of faith within us and make it grow into a strong faith that bears much fruit. Or God can take a small talent, something within us, an ability, and use it to accomplish great things. That's maybe the most common way that this has been understood, and I'm not suggesting that that's wrong. Parables are always open-ended for us. But in my view, that's an interpretation that overlooks at least two very, very important parts of this, this parable. First of all, it overlooks the kind of seed that is being sown in this garden. In the first century, as people heard that, they would have known that this is crazy, that the mustard seed would be the very last thing any gardener in his right mind or her right mind would sow because the mustard plant that it produces is an invasive species that grows out of control, as it does in crops across the country in, on our, in the United States. That the mustard plant is one that overtakes other plants, that it self-propagates, that it disrupts the entire garden or field in which it is planted. So it's almost hu humorous, ridiculous that Jesus would say that someone would ever plant that in their garden. Here in the Pacific Northwest, it would be like intentionally sowing an invasive species like scotch broom or blackberries in with your tender plants that you are um, being very careful with each day. We wouldn't do that unless we wanted to see that plant overtake everything else and disrupt the entire garden. For Jesus first hears, that had to be an attention getter. And it should grab our attention, too. Because if the kingdom of God is really like that, then, indeed, the kingdom of God is like an uncontrollable, invasive plant. And when the kingdom comes, we should expect, then, a great deal of change and disruption whenever God's work is being done among us. We can expect that well-established things within us, around us, in our society, in our world, will be overtaken 
and eventually replaced by this new kingdom. At a very personal level for each one of us, that means letting God be God in such a way that radical change happens within us. That when God's kingdom comes to us, even very deeply rooted things within us, like our self-centeredness and our pride, will be overtaken and replaced. And likewise, whenever God's kingdom is sown within us, our fears, our insecurities also are overtaken by this, along with our grief, our loneliness, and anything else within us that separates us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. And that brings me to the second striking point in this parable that I think cannot be overlooked. In the end, the purpose, this parable seems to say, of all this disruption that God is creating is the creation of a new and safe environment, a new garden. When the mustard bush is full grown, Jesus says, it puts forth its branches so that even the birds of the air the birds who normally come and eat seeds, the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. In other words, it is not just disruption for disruption's sake. And it isn't disruption that introduces yet another form of human separation from God and from one another. And that's important to me because we live in a time when Changing things and disrupting things is often seen as a good just in and of itself. It's impossible for anyone to get elected to public office in this country, no matter what party you're from, without saying that you are going to shake things up and disrupt things and uproot things and replace things that have already been planted. I get that, and I get that change is constantly needed. But at the end of this parable today, Jesus shows us why God changes things, why God goes about this disruption. And when I consider the image of that tree with large branches that provides shelter even to the birds, I conclude that the purpose of all of this divine disruption is to make this world a safe, compassionate, just, and welcoming place. In just a few days, 18 of us from St. Mark's will cross the southern border of our country into Mexico. And as I prepare for that, I cannot stop thinking about the new policy of our country that automatically separates vulnerable children from parents as their families flee for shelter to us. I know that no country, including our own, will ever be the kingdom of God. But I still want, with all my heart, that we would reflect that kingdom in the way that we treat all people. Otherwise, we aren't that different from the Roman Empire that Jesus stood up against as he established his reign among us. So which gospel parable do I choose today? Do I choose the one which says that the coming of God's kingdom is inevitable 
because it's not dependent on our getting it right, our having all the right laws and the right policies at the right time? Or do I choose the one which compels me to be a part of God's radical transformation of an unjust, unsafe, unwelcoming world? The answer, of course, is that each parable reveals a deep truth, and I can hold fast to both of them as I leave worship today. Yes, God's new order will take root and eventually come to fruition, whether people desire it or not. And, yes, we are still called to be the change that God is bringing to this world in Jesus Christ and to strive for justice and peace in all the earth and to never stop working with Christ for that end. And you too can hold both of those truths as you continue your walk of faith today. And at the dawn of every new day, you can be sure that the purpose of all God's disruption in this world is to create a safe place for you, a welcoming, just place for you to dwell in, along with all of God's people and all of God's creation. Thanks be to God. Amen. If you have prayer cards, just please hold them up and the ushers will come gather them.